First Corinthians chapter four. I want to talk to you this morning about give them the gospel. You know, a few weeks ago we began this series on giving. And when I did that, there was some trepidation, I think. As I announced it to my deacons, I could just feel the room just grow quiet for a moment. I think they believed that the, the attendance would totally drop off when I had a giving series. But when we look at this, and I, and I pray over the last few weeks, we recognize that giving, this idea of giving, does not just apply to our material resources. Now... Certainly, we should be faithful in our finances. We should be faithful in the resources that God has given us. But also, we recognize that when we talk about giving, that spirit encompasses all of our lives. Everything about us. Our time, our spiritual giftedness, and yes, even the gospel itself as we share with others. I think we see ourselves as the stewards of God who have been blessed beyond measure and now have a responsibility to be able to use those resources, what God has given us for his advancement, for his kingdom's advancement. First Corinthians chapter 4, Paul uses this idea, this terminology of stewardship and giving to literally apply to the ministry, to apply to the gospel itself. This is what he says as he's writing to the church at Corinth. He says to them, beginning in verse 1 of chapter 4, Let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself, for I know of nothing against myself, yet I'm not justified by this. But he who judges me is the Lord. Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the hearts. Then each one's praise will come from God. Here Paul speaks about his responsibility and his accountability to be able to share the gospel of Christ to be able to give the gospel to others. I want you to notice two terms, especially in verse one. It says, Paul says, as he is speaking to the church at Corinth, that he considers himself and those other leaders of the church, he considers all of them to be servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Notice this idea of servants and stewards. This idea of servant can be defined as a helper or an assistant. As a matter of fact, when the the word is used in the Gospels and in the book of Acts, it will refer to attendance of kings or attendance of the temple. It can even be used of the temple guards themselves. So you have this idea that Paul is putting out there. He says, I am attendant to the God of heaven, to Christ Jesus. I am his assistant. I am his helper in some way. Now, the second word, the second term, stewards, actually complements the first word. This idea of stewards is the idea of an overseer of a house. If you look at the original word, the root of that word speaks to a house or to a home. 
In other words, if you're a steward, you are one who oversees the functioning of the household. This is the way Thistleton described it. He said that basically a steward was an estate manager. He said, this officer normally included responsibility for overseeing a household budget, purchasing accounts, resource allocation, collection of debts, and general running of the establishment, but only as instructed within guidelines agreed by the employer or the head of the home. In other words, this person was responsible for the operation of the household. And yet, this individual did not own the household. Rather, he or she would be directed by the owner or the master himself. That's the idea behind these words. And these are the words that Paul used. He uses these words to describe his own function, his own responsibility as a steward. We have a responsibility. Paul had a responsibility. Listen, that word responsibility is almost a forgotten or forsaken word in our culture today. I mean, when you talk about responsibility, it's not like a whole lot of people just just step up and say, hey, I know I'm responsible, right? Usually people are dodging responsibility. Just got quiet in this place. I mean, quieter in this place. To think about responsibility. A lot of us would would rather talk about other people's responsibility. Most of the time in the church, we don't go around bragging about our responsibility, do we? We usually go around talking about our rights. I've often said that in the church life, let's take, for example, in a Baptist church, we have certain business meetings in which the church comes together to do business and really take care of the affairs of the church. Oftentimes, you'll hear people speak, in a sense, about their right, about their right as a member, their right to be able to maybe speak or their right to be able to vote a certain way. You will hear people speak about their rights. Let me ask you, have you ever been in a church setting, especially a business meeting, where somebody got up and said, hey, I want you all to know this is my responsibility? Have you ever heard somebody say something like that? I mean, wouldn't it be good every now and then, hey, I know that we're having, this is my responsibility. But again, it's kind of like our culture. We talk about our rights more than we do our responsibility. Here, Paul says that he has a responsibility for the gospel. He is a steward. It's like he has been given a resource, he's been entrusted with something, and he has a responsibility to use it according to what the master and the Lord would desire. He says, I have responsibility, and all of us do. We are attendants of the Lord of heaven. We are individuals charged with the stewardship of what God has given us. Now, I hope and pray again that over the last few weeks, we've kind of developed this mindset, this collective mindset That God has given us all things and that we are to praise his name and bless his name for what he has done and to use those resources for his advancement. I hope that's begun to sink into us because it is so important. I, I mean, one, it is important to recognize that every good gift has come come from him. Nothing that you and I have 
truly belongs to us because it was given to us and in many ways still owned by God above. Everything, your family, your friends, your resources, material resources, your time, your giftedness, your talent, everything that I could list or I could even imagine or you could even imagine is a gift from above. And when we recognize that in our hearts and lives, we come to him with gratitude and gratefulness. We come to him also with a sense of responsibility. That he, if he has blessed us with such resources, then he has given us a purpose and a plan to use those resources. That's in every way. But again... In this passage specifically, notice how Paul is speaking about his stewardship of the gospel. Verse 1, again, it says, stewards of the mysteries of God. So in other words, God has called him to be this overseer of the mysteries of God. Now, Paul used that term mystery throughout his writing. And basically what he is speaking about is the message of Christ Jesus, the good news of the gospel. That's what he's speaking about. He's talking about Jesus. He's talking about the Christ event. He's talking about the death, burial, and resurrection. He says, God has made me a steward of that mystery, that which was hidden for some time, but now on full display for everybody to see. He says, God has given me a stewardship over this. That's an incredible thought, isn't it? That God has given you and he has given me the stewardship, charge of the stewardship of the gospel. That means, first of all, he's given us the gospel. Right? If you want to talk about the greatest gift that you and I have, yes, I, w- I would say that there are many that are up there, family, friends, relationship the blessings that he gives us daily, the great. There is no greater gift than the good news of Jesus Christ. There's no greater gift. Only the name of Jesus brings salvation to our hearts and lives. Only in him can we know true forgiveness and reconciliation and blessing and freedom. It's it's only in him. So we have been given... The greatest gift possible by the God above. And now that gift has been entrusted to us. That's what Paul is saying. He is a steward. So the gift itself has been entrusted to us. It's as though he looked at us personally and called our name. He said, Richard, here's the gospel. I'm entrusting it to you. Rusty, even though you are who you are, Fallen, fallen, fallen. I love you. I entrust the gospel to you. Miss Clippo, the gospel. God entrust to you. Jeff, the gospel entrusted. Bobby, I think you're up there in the gathering. I don't know, but you're, God has entrusted the gospel to you. It's, it's like he's called our name. I forgot you all because you'll get mad. Bob, no, not Bob. Mike. 
I entrusted the gospel to you. Now think of that. This is not just some disconnected relationship. This is the personal relationship we can have with God. That he has looked at us personally and that he has said, I love you. And I want you to know salvation in your heart and life. And if you'll come to me in faith, if you'll trust me, if you'll confess my name and my lordship, if you'll repent of your sins, then you can know what eternal life is like. And those of us who are in here, all of us who have fallen short of the glory of God, all of us who are enemies of the cross itself, all of us who are aliens to the kingdom of God, all of us who now have come by faith and trust, we know his life. We know what good news really is because of the forgiveness that he has brought to us. And see, he has given that to us. He says, the gospel, the good news, this is a gift to you and I entrust it to you. There is no greater gift and because of that, there is no greater responsibility. God calls us to declare the mysteries of the gospel. That again, which was hidden in the Old Testament that perhaps the people could not see clearly, now has been put on public display through the life, through the ministry, through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And for us to proclaim that and give that message to others, it is a responsibility for us to relate the good news. For us to give the good news to others. It's been entrusted to us to manage on his behalf. And now we are to give it away. Just because it might have been secret in times past or the mystery does not mean that we should keep it secret now. Again, the full revelation of salvation has been given to us through Jesus Christ. And now we can know life. We share that life. In the book of Colossians, if you were here Wednesday night, we had um, one of our South Asia partners who, who was here and he was sharing. And he shared this passage from Colossians chapter 1, verse 24. It says, I now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God. The same language that Paul used to speak about stewardship to the Corinthians, now he is using to speak to the stewardship of the Colossians. And he says, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. The mystery, there's our word again, same one in the original language. The mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. To them God will be will, will to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end, I also labor, striving accordingly to his working, 
which works in me mightily. We declare the hope of glory, who is Jesus Christ. We give people Christ. It is so important that he is the conversation of our lives. You know, I, I think about this often. We, we talk about certain issues or subjects, and we grow very passionate about them. We grow very emotional about them. For example, this time last year, there was a presidential race going on. Some of you remember that, right? And people could grow so passionate. I, I know people that change churches over that presidential election. May I say something? How sad is that? Because, friends, let me tell you that upon our lips should not just be the political dialogue that's going on. Upon our lips should be the name of Christ that we should be so emotional and passionate about Jesus that it fires us up more than any other kind of political action or any kind of social action. Jesus himself is the best that we would ever know, and he is the only one worth making known to others. Some of you are sitting here saying, don't have an issue with political speech. Let me say this. How about those of us that get involved about athletic speech? <laughs> Woo! See, some of you thought you had just skirted by. You said, I never said a word about that presidential thing, but... I'm just saying to you that God has given us the message of Christ... It's fine to talk about other things. I'm not saying that. It's fine to talk about those other things. I'm just saying to you, we ought to be just as passionate and we ought to be talking just as much about what Jesus has done in our hearts and lives. If he has saved you and he has brought you to this point of forgiveness, that is a good topic to talk to others about. He did something for you you cannot do for yourself. He did something for you that no one else could have done for you. And that is worth sharing, giving people the gospel. I'm all about helping individuals and giving physically, financially. We may look more about that before I wrap this up just in a couple, three weeks. I'm all about helping people physically. This morning... We are, are taking up this offering that we do every month to feed the children that we, there in Nicaragua and the ministries that we partner with. I love that. I am thankful for that. But it should not be just about meeting their physical need. It should also be about meeting their spiritual need. One of the reasons we made changes just recently to make sure that the feeding program was located in a church is so that these children, when they come, are not just fed physically, but they go away from there with some spiritual nourishment. Because if we feed people and we never give them the hope of glory, we may have helped them get through the day, but we've not helped them get through eternity.
It is important for us to be the ambassadors, to be the stewards of the gospel, that we are giving it away. That we are making known what Christ Jesus has done for us. This is the responsibility. I remember one lady that I pastored some time ago that just became one of those stewards. I mean, all of us should be, all of us should be demonstrating it, but I mean, you could see it manifest in her life, Miss Sue. She lived down on the Pearl River, kind of lived in one of those camps. She was a wonderful lady. She began to come to church. God got a hold of her. And somehow, she had decided that she had a responsibility to tell others about Christ. I think that's natural when Christ comes in your heart and life. But she would go down to the river, and she would talk to other people in those camps. And before I knew it, people started coming. I could look over to my left. That's where she sat. Yeah, she was Baptist before she even knew she was Baptist, probably, because she was sitting in one spot. She would bring people with her. Her husband had started coming with her. And I'll never forget the day when Ernest said, Brother Reggie, I need you to come talk to me if you will. I went down to the river and went to his house and spoke to him. And we talked about his relationship to the Lord. And he, he came to know Christ. And I remember going to baptize him. Now, Ernest... How am I going to say this, Leslie? Ernest had this apparel he wore on his head. It was, uh, it's not really apparel. I guess it was, they call it toupees. Is that what they call it, Les? He, he wore it, he had it on his head. I, I never had noticed that before. I never really had. He was, it was a very good one, and I, I was cool with it. I always said, Leslie, one of these days, right here, I need it right there. But I went to baptize him. And Ernest looked at me and he said, now, Brother Reggie, he said, if I get down in this baptistry and my hair comes off, you keep me down till I get it back on. (laughs) I said, Ernest, brother, I'll do it as best as I can. That's all I can promise you, all right? That's all I can tell you. That's all I can tell you. He came to know the Lord. Other people, like I said, the people of the river. And and, and I I think back because Miss Sue was the one, I mean, she took this, she took this responsibility seriously. For her family, for her friends, for those people she came in contact with, she wanted them to know Christ. Roland Level used to say that evangelism has become effective when the evangelized have become the evangelist. When our hearts have grown hot with Christ, passionate toward Him, and we declare the hope of glory. Listen, this is going to sound crude, but I just, I just want to say this. You don't have to give people hell itself today. They already know hell in their lives. There are people who are separated from Christ. They already experienced some form of, I know, yes, it is going to be much Worse, it is going to be a tremendous separation in eternity. I know that, but I'm just saying to you, people already have some idea of what hell is. You don't have to give them hell. You have to give them the gospel. 
You have to give them the good news. And I want you to see this. The role of the steward is to be faithful. You and I are not in charge of the results. All we can do is control what we can control, and that is our faithfulness. Verse 2, it said, Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. If you're going to take care of other people's stuff, then you've got to be faithful and trustworthy. And for you and I, when we think about the gospel and our giving the gospel to other people, you and I are not in charge of the people actually coming to salvation. We don't produce salvation in people's hearts and lives. All we can do is to be faithful to give them the gospel. We leave the results to him. Back in chapter 3, actually, Paul had said so clearly that he had planted Apollos and water, but God was the one who gave the increase. That God was the one who brought the fruit. Are you being faithful to giving out the gospel? God's entrusted it with you. He's given it to you. Are you faithful to give it out? Because with responsibility comes accountability. And that's really what you see in these verses 3 through 5. Accountability. Well, the term servant and steward implied accountability. But now in verses 3 through 5, it is explicitly stated. But with me, it is a very small thing, Paul said, that I should be judged by you or by human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself. For I know of nothing against myself, yet I'm not justified this by this. But it is he who judges me. He who judges me is the Lord, he says. He is the one we're accountable to. He's our judge. He says... I'm not here just to be judged by you. And let me just give this kind of excursus here. If Paul had been judged by the Corinthians, he would have been in bad shape probably. Because if you read this letter and even 2 Corinthians and you see the correspondence, you see the historical record, this church had a rocky relationship with Paul. And some of them would have dismissed his apostleship. Some of them would have been critical of him. But I love the way Paul does this. He says, hey, in the long run, I'm not judged by you. I'm not even judged by myself. See, you would be critical. I would probably be complimentary of myself, he said. But when it comes down to it, it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about what the Lord thinks about this. And my accountability before him. That challenges me because I'll be honest, my personality itself is a people pleaser. I've struggled with that for years and years in my life. I've recognized it. I have tried to do what I can through Christ to overcome those things. But Paul says when we think about our responsibility... We must understand that we are judged by our faithfulness, not just our, the results. And that our true accountability is before God, not by others. How liberating is that? That God himself is the one that we must 
please. A few years ago, I was at a conference, and this guy was preaching, and he handed out these little smiley faces. I thought to myself, what kind of Mickey Mouse sermon is this going to be? But he gave out these little smiley faces, and he just left it with us, and he preached for a while, and He told us to take those off and put them in our Bibles. Actually, it was one of my previous Bibles that I had that I put it in, in the very front. And he said, when you open your Bible and you see that smiley face, may you always be reminded that it is God you want to smile, not other people. You know, hopefully other people, but that's not who you're pleasing. You're not seeking their delight. You're seeking the Lord's delight. And every time you see that smiley face, may it challenge you, may it speak to you about pleasing him. And look, all of a sudden that, quote, what I thought was a Mickey Mouse sermon became a powerful sermon. Or illustration at least. And I was reminded that that is what God is calling us to. If we are his stewards, if he owns all this stuff, if... He's given us the gospel he's entrusted to us. Then what we want to do is to use it in a way that he will delight in us. Because don't miss this at the end. It says, therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes. Who will bring both to light the hidden things in darkness and reveal the counsels of the hearts. Then each one's praise will come from God. He says they're coming a day. And there is. Now listen, the only way I know I can stand on that day is through the righteousness of Christ. I could never stand in these dingy rags of righteousness that I have. But Christ will clothe me, and he has clothed me. As he has justified my heart and life, as I've had faith. But one of these days as we stand before him, What an honor to know that we can hear the praise of God himself. Remember that phrase where he spoke of, Jesus spoke of those who would come before the king. And the king would express those beautiful words of commendation. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Faithful. You've been faithful. Well done. Can you imagine one of these days to stand before him and to hear those words? Folks, for many of us, we have been serving Christ for a while. And if your heart's like mine every day, I want to hear him, that voice, more and more. Well done. Thou good and faithful servant. God has given you the gospel. He's given you the good news. Are you giving it to others? Are you living in that giving spirit to give them what they ultimately need? Perhaps over the last few weeks I've been challenged more than any other by this question. What are you doing or what are you giving for the king and his kingdom? Because over the last few weeks I've been reminded Again and again, life is but a vapor. 
which appears just for a little while. And then it's gone. Just missed. Think about it. It won't be long till those of us who are believers, God calls home. Just like that. It's a vapor. My friends, the question is, what difference will you make? Or perhaps even a better question, who will you take with you in this moment that you have? Live today with no regrets. And look forward to the rejoicing of the commending work of Christ. Because one day, we will stand before Him. Today, would you hear your responsibility? Would you give the gospel? Today, would you know the accountability that God has over you in your life? Today, would you make a difference for the kingdom? And more importantly, would you take others with you to eternity? Let's pray. Father, we praise you today. We just, God, how we give you all glory and honor and praise. Because in this place today, Lord, there are so many of us who have been saved. We have come to the good news. You have done something that we could not have done for ourselves. And God, how happy we are in you. But God, remind us that in the midst of rejoicing, there is responsibility. And God, help us to give the gospel, your good news, to our friends and our family, to the nations. God, would you encourage us with the accountability of standing before you? Now, God, I pray this prayer as though everyone in this place is saved. And, Father, we know that is not the case. And, God, I pray in this moment, in this hour, for that one that has heard the good news, they know that, they know factually that you came and died, but, Lord, they've never really embraced the power of your resurrection by turning their life over to you in faith. I pray you'd convict them by your Holy Spirit this morning. And I pray that they would come and that they would be saved so that one day they would know your presence in eternity. Father, we love you this day. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.